0: was standing there and looking back at the step and I was waiting for Doug to come down the steps and I'm looking up here and he just vanished (laughs) so I'm thankful that he came out the other door because for a second there I thought we were all in trouble and he was the only one that went (laughs) Sorry, I just had to say that Couldn't resist that one. We're um, looking at Matthew chapter 22, going through some parables that <clears throat> that Jesus had spoke and shared. And we have another one, another twist today in looking at the kingdom of heaven in Matthew chapter 22, uh, verses 1 through 14. So I invite you, if you have your Bibles, to open to Matthew 22. Um, God's word says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and fatted cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. And the king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked. How did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we look to your word this morning. We look to your word to guide us. Look to your word to show us how we should live. We look to your word to save us, to hear the gospel message coming forth from your word and through the blood of Jesus. We have the gift of salvation. As we look to this parable this morning, Lord, may we find ourselves, find ourselves. At the wedding banquet. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today going through another parable describing the kingdom of heaven. um, And it's a parable that can be summed up in the words from John 14. And John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And in saying that, I believe there's an aspect of this parable that is summed up in those words where no one comes to the Father except by Jesus Christ. Uh, We we know the the words of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And some take the words of Jesus when he shared that in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that we have a, a gospel that goes out and because of God's love for the whole world, that the whole world will be saved. And that's not what John 3.16 says, and that's not what the parable in Matthew 22 says. And so we have to be careful when we start talking about a a universal gospel where all the world will be saved. Uh, God does love the whole world. He gave his one and only Son, but whoever believes in him, will not perish and have eternal life. And so in John 14, 2, to go to another verse, Jesus says, My Father's house has many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I am going, to pre- going there to prepare a place for you? Some walk away from John 14, too, where Jesus says, My Father's house has many rooms, to walk away from a verse like that and say, Well, certainly in heaven, God's preparing a lot of different rooms. There's a room over here that the Christians will be in, and there's a room over here where the Muslims will be, and here's a room where the, the Buddhists will be, and, and here's a room where Wiccans will be, and here's a room where atheists will be. See, everybody's going to heaven. My Father has gone to heaven to prepare a lot of different rooms where a lot of different groups can get to heaven in their own way to enjoy the presence of God. When I come back to Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14, they very clearly refute that kind of thinking and that kind of understanding where God has prepared many rooms, but those many rooms are for those who believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. There's two kingdoms, and all of these parables talk about the kingdom of heaven. We have the kingdom of heaven and we have the kingdom of this world. And when Jesus gives these parables over and over about the kingdom of heaven, it, he gives us the purpose for our lives, he shows us how to live, but he also gives us a glimpse into what it means and how it is to get into the kingdom of heaven. And our parable today speaks about that purpose of, of how it is to get into the kingdom of heaven and what it means to live in the kingdom of the world and not be part of the kingdom of heaven. Um, over a hundred times I went and looked up the words just kingdom of heaven and in the kingdom of God. Over a hundred times in the New Testament, these words are shared for us. Uh, they're words where we hear about how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. We hear about how the kingdom belongs to the little children, that if we don't become like a little child, have the faith of a little child, we cannot enter into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we have words like John three three. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And again, we have these references of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God over and over, showing us how we live and what it means to come into the kingdom of God. John the Baptist preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And today we have a parable where the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Uh, it re- reminded me as soon as i read that about uh, the wedding banquet song of the day. Um, it's actually from Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, whichever reference you want to use there, of t- chapter two, verse four. Let him lead me to the banquet hall, and let his banner be. O- let his banner over me be love. Let me go to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. Right, and that song, only God loves you, and I love you, and that's the way it should be. His banner over me is love. And when I think about the parable that we're going to look at this morning, we have to remember the kingdoms—the pre- kingdom of heavens like a king. And the king, God, is preparing this place for us because he just loves us so much. And he cares about us so much that he's drawing us to him to be part of the kingdom of heaven. I get goosebumps thinking about the kingdom of heaven and God drawing us close to him because his banner over us is love. And we just sit and we bask in His love. We just let His love pour out over us and His grace over us. And it's a place where the King has gone and He's prepared this banquet. It's a place of rejoicing, a place of celebration, a place of relaxation where we just bask in the glory of God and allow His love to be poured out over us. But like all great celebrations and all great weddings, the invitation's in the mail. I don't know if you've ever just gone to a wedding. Personally, I've never crashed a wedding. I've been tempted to. They've made movies about it. But the reality is, the invitation's in the mail. And like any good celebration, the invitation comes in the mail. You go to the mailbox, and you open up the mailbox, and you say, Oh, look, we got an invitation. Well, if you just throw it on the counter, you're not going to the wedding. But if you open up the invitation and you see that Joe and Sally are getting married on such and such a day, and you get your calendar out and you're looking, oh, we're free on that day. Do you want to go? I don't know. Do you want to go? And you just let the invitation sit there. Come that date, you're not going to the wedding. Because you never responded to the invitation. And the kingdom of heaven, in the same way, we have this invitation, the invite's in the mail. You open up the invitation and you RSVP... Like the invitation says, and you send the invitation back. Yes, I am coming to the feast. I am coming to the wedding. I am coming to celebrate with you. And when the day comes, sadly in our day, and I will say sadly, uh, personally this is not biblical, but I hate going to a wedding and seeing empty seats. If you're going to RSVP for a wedding, short of being in the hospital, go. Please go. (laughs) <laughs> that's just a pet peeve of mine you show up at a wedding oh they, didn't, uh, they just didn't show up and, but we have that in our story today in, in regards to this wedding banquet and so the RSVP is there you respond to it and then you have to show up to the wedding and that's the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet and so this is what we're going to look at this morning we have three different groups I'm going to talk about three different groups of people in this passage I want us to see ourselves in one of these groups And if we see ourselves in the wrong group, we can correct it this morning and find ourselves in the right group. But we have three different groups of people in this passage of Scripture for us to understand this kingdom principle that's before us. The first group that we're going to look at, I call the contemptible. It was hard for me to find a word that started with the letter C, but this one works. The contemptible group. This is the people that... We're invited to the banquet, they received the invitation, they got the golden ticket in the mail, they RSVP'd with, yes, I'm coming, I'm in, I'm going to the celebration, I'm going to be there. But when the day comes, they're just off doing their own thing. And when God says, here I am, and they say, no, I'm over here, and I'm enjoying life over here. This request comes across to them multiple times in our passage, right at the beginning. The initial call in verse 3, we have the call again in verse 4, we have the the call call again in verse 5, and they just paid no attention and they went off and did their own thing. I mean, the scripture tells us that they they went off, one to his field, another to his business. I I got things to do, I got a fence to build, I got a house to build, I, I... I got a better engagement over here, you know, hey, Joe down the street said he's going to have a party, so I'm going to his instead and they blow off the invitation and they go somewhere else. And and God in our in our kingdom parable we have today, the king, God says, "Look, I got a great feast for you." They go out and try to convince them to come. I I butchered the cow. I, I I have everything ready. The feast is ready for you. Come to the wedding banquet. And they no Sorry, God. I got my own thing to do. This group is contemptible. They said they would do the things of God, but they're running off and doing their own things and doing what they want. They understand the blessing of God. They understand all of the blessings that come from being in the kingdom of heaven. But instead, they want to go their own way and they want to go their own direction. I want to say that today we have a whole world full of contemptible people. We have a whole world full The gospel message goes out and goes out and goes out and goes out. And people hear the gospel message and they hear about Jesus Christ dying for their sins, about giving them new life, about cleansing them from all unrighteousness, of of giving them a life of joy, joy more abundant than they could ever imagine. And they say, so what? So what? And people look at Christianity and, and I'm going to get on a soapbox for just a second. And they look at Christianity and they say it's too judgmental. They say, it's just too judgmental. Why is it judgmental? Why is Christianity judgmental? Because we love to live in sin, and we don't want anything to do with the the ways of God, because the ways of God are to step away from our sin the one song we sang this morning, I've never sang that song before, but we sang through that song and all of the verses and verses are saying we are set free from sin and listed all kinds of different ways and set free from my pride and set free from from every aspect of sinfulness in our lives. Does that make Christianity judgmental? Yes, it is, because God has a way of righteousness that we are to follow and that's what He has called us to as His children. And to say no to that invitation just makes us contemptible with thumb. Thumb our nose up to God and say, yeah, God, I understand your ways. I understand there's blessings in your ways, but I don't want your ways. I want my ways, and I'm going to go that direction. I want to party like it's 1999. Here's how Isaiah puts it in chapter 22, verse 13. He says, but see, there is joy and revelry, slaughtering of cattle and killing of sheep, eating of meat and drinking of wine. Let us eat and drink, you say, for tomorrow we die. I want to party like it's 1999. Who cares about God? I'll worry about God when I'm old. Right now, I want to do things my way. And we become contemptible to the ways of God. And the world wants the blessings of God, and we want the hand of God, and we want God's sovereignty over things. And and at the same time, we don't want God's righteousness. And the two can't float in the same boat. The boat will sink. When the Israelites were getting ready to cross the Jordan River, And enter into the promised land. They were called, a final call to commitment. And this is the commitment that was given to them in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy 30, it describes life this way. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. There's the two aspects. I set before you life and prosperity, death and destruction. Two ways are set before us. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, and to keep His commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. Did you get get the aspect of life and prosperity? I command you today to keep His commands, His decrees, His laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But... If your heart turns away and you are not obedient, if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing, the Jordan to enter and possess. And there are the cursings, the death and destruction that would come when we are disobedient to God. And there is the group of contemptible people we have in our parable where they know the ways of God, they know where there are blessings, and they know there is fruitfulness in following after God, and they know there is life, and they know there is prosperity, and at the same time they say, I don't care, I will worship my own idols, and I want to go that direction, and we become contemptible to God. And the two don't float in the same boat. The end result of all of the contemptible people is... He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. That's not a pretty end. That's what happens. Now, I want to be honest and fair to the scripture that we have in front of us. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the Sadducees, and the religious authorities that were in that day, and their city burned to the ground. In 70 AD, look in your history book, Jerusalem was burned to the ground and destroyed and the practice of the way that they had practiced the religion that God ordained was washed away forced them into an aspect of that they would look to Jesus Christ and understand he was Lord and Savior and look no other way They have become contemptible to the ways of God and we are we are right there today. We are right on a dangerous precipice I could back myself right up to the edge. We're we're ready to fall in And we have to be so careful in our own personal lives to not be contemptible Let's move on to a positive note, the chosen. From the contentable people to the chosen. Here's a hint up front, before I even finish my sermon. Group one, group two, group three, take door number two. Take door number two. One, two, and three, take door number two, the chosen. This is where we want to be. The king says, hey, go out to the bad people, go out to the good people, go out anywhere you can and find anybody that will come into the wedding banquet. And I'm glad that my invitation didn't come first, that it came and God said, oh, there's a bad person on the corner. Hey, do you want to go to a wedding? Yeah, let's go to a wedding. Who who, who turns down a feast? Who turns down a celebration? Who turns down the ways of God? And we get to respond, I'm happy that the love of God is wide and deep and reaches to every aspect of the world and everywhere and no matter how far we are sunk in our sin however far we think that we have gone i know people have said if i ever walk in the doors of a church the whole ceiling will come down well god bless you come in we could use a new roof let the ceiling come down and the insurance company pay for a new one and and come in and and take the love of god and enjoy the graces of god because everyone every single one no matter where we're at, is, is invited to come in and chosen to come in to the be, be in the wedding banquet. Matthew twenty two ten, we are told, So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. I really believe, and this is my belief, that God has this wedding feast prepared for us, this great celebration you know when jesus says that he has prepared a place for us that where he goes that we we will be also that he is preparing a place for us and he knows the exact number that are going to that's going to come into the kingdom of god he knows precisely he knows beginning and end and he knows the exact number whether that number is 1,355,654,282 I don't know what the number is God knows what that is but when that one person when that last person comes into the kingdom when that last person says yes I'm ready I, I, I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and I am chosen and I am part of God's kingdom and, and when that last number comes in and the hotel is filled that's when the door is going to close Jesus is going to come it's all over folks and I believe that. I honestly do. that. That And this verse points to that, that the wedding hall was filled with guests. The exact number of people came in. Not one too many, not one too less. And we're going to get to the one that snuck in in a, in a little bit. But the exact number into the kingdom of heaven. And I believe that God has that right size for each and every one of us. Why chosen? Because that's who we are. When we respond in faith to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that gospel of forgiveness, we are chosen. From the beginning of time, God chose us to be part of this wedding banquet. In Romans, Paul refers to believers as chosen. He says that we are are remnants chosen by grace. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 5 says, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom of God? He promised those who love Him. We are chosen and we inherit what God has given to us. The servants in our parable went out into the streets and said, oh, there's someone that could come to the banquet. It didn't matter what kind of person they were, whether they were a bad person, a good person, it didn't matter. Here is a person that could come into the wedding banquet, and God's love reaches out so deep. The invites went out. The cries were in the street. The call is on our hearts, and we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, that's inviting us to the wedding banquet. The sinless man who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be called sons of God. We either respond as the chosen and follow after God, or we turn away in scorn and we remain with the contemptible. I can jump up and down all day, jump up and down all day that I have a golden ticket. You know, I opened my chocolate bar and there it was. A golden ticket. Okay, Willy Wonka, for those who are still trying to catch up. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, if you want to go that way. If you didn't show up on the right day, at the right time, you didn't get to go into the Chocolate Factory. You could take that golden ticket and and sell it and get some money. Do whatever you want with it. But if you wanted to be contemptible to Willy Wonka and say, I don't care about your Chocolate Factory. Go give the ticket away. Or just ignore that you ever found it. Throw it in the trash. Again, the chosen are the ones who responded to the ticket that has been given to them, to the invite to enter. We have the contentable, we have the chosen, and i got to get to the third group. It is the, ch- the, the wedding crasher. Verse 12. Then the king told the attendants, well, I'm going to jump back. In verse 12. Friend, he says... How do you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Here's a person who was so blatant, part of the contemptible, but knew that there was something good in the kingdom of God. And he decides to crash the kingdom of God. You'd call him a pretender. I want to be part of the kingdom of God, and I want to enjoy the blessings of the kingdom of God. But I don't want what the kingdom of God has for me. And he chose to not put on his wedding clothes. And when the the bell rang out to come to the banquet, he chose to show up to the feast in his own way, in his own style. And while the contemptible are destroyed in one way, the crasher faces another end. The king tells tells the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We can't come to Jesus our own way. We can't come to God our own way. We come to God inviting Him to cleanse us and to watch us. wash us. We come to God repenting of our sins. Repenting, turning around. As I shared the other week, repent to change my thinking about sin. That sin is my past and righteousness is my future. The ways of the world are my past. And the ways of God are my future. Galatians 3, starting at verse 26, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. All of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ. We put on the nature of Jesus Christ. We put on the ways of Jesus Christ. We live out our lives in the way that Jesus Christ would. And Jesus Christ, as far as I can tell and read and understand, never ran after sin yet we have someone showing up at the wedding banquet. Whether he was showing up, and we can bring it to the modern day and put it into our church age and showing up to church every week and every week, and everybody says, isn't Mary a saint of God? Mary sings up here in the choir. She sings for our worship. She teaches classes. She cleans the building. Mary is a saint of God, and yet at the same time, what we don't understand is Mary has never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior has never clothed herself with Jesus Christ. And she's doing the right things, but she has never gotten to the point in her life where she says, my desire is no longer... Self and no longer sin and no longer greed and no longer lust and temptations and all of those things and my desires have now turned and repented and my, now my desires are godly things and the ways of righteousness and I cry after God and I, I want to be holy as He is holy and I, I want to move that direction yeah, Did, do we fall back into sin and do we does sin entangle us and pull us back? yes, but we're so quick to repent of it and turn back to God Yet the wedding crasher, he wanted to keep his foot in the world. And yet he wanted to keep his foot in the kingdom of God just in case. And God says, no, it can't be that way. It can't be that way. If our desire is to sneak into heaven in our own righteousness, we're sneaking into heaven with our filthy rags and we will not get there. Isaiah 64 6 reminds us all of us have become like one who is uncleaned and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind our sins sweep us away. If we're trying to get into heaven without being washed and being renewed, our sins will sweep us away. We will show up to the wedding feast in in filthy rags and it will be thrown out where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But only through the grace of God, through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We can turn from our sinful ways, allowing Him to cleanse us, to forgive us, to renew us, and to clothe us with robes of righteousness that can only come from God. I want to get on a little bit of a tangent, real quick. When you read in your Bible that to hand to t- tie him hand him, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you read that in the Bible, please understand, weeping and gnashing of teeth is not some place right outside the door of heaven. And after you're there for a thousand years, then God will let you into heaven. Weeping and gnashing of teeth means you are thrown into hell. I'm not going to dance around that at all. When you're reading through your Bible and you come across these parables after parable after parable, and you're trying to make it wash with your own theology and make it wash with your own belief... Weeping and gnashing of teeth is outside the kingdom of heaven. It is the place of destruction, and that is how Jesus uses it. And to take that and twist it and make it mean something else, I don't see how we're doing fair justice to the scriptures of God. My rant for the morning. I want us to be careful and understand we can't play both sides of the fence. Jesus says, I'd rather you be lukewarm. I'd rather you be be hot or be cold. But because you're lukewarm, I'm about ready to spit you out out of my mouth going to where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. God wants us either in his kingdom or out of his kingdom. And only we can decide. But if we want to play the game of a wedding crasher and show up in our own filthy rags, we will be found out and thrown out. How do we wrap it up? Matthew 22:14. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Here's the upside of our story today. We're all here today. That's the upside of our story. We are all hearing this today. The upside of her story is whether I'm contemptible or whether I'm a crasher, no matter where I'm at, I have the right to become the chosen. I have the right to become the chosen. No matter what sin right now is wrapped around my leg, pulling me down, all I have to do is say, God, chop it off, please. Remove that sin from my life. I don't want that anymore. Let me turn away from that. And we're here today and have that opportunity to say, I want to be part of the chosen. No matter our current situation or our spiritual condition, the Savior waits for us. He calls us, and He waits for us. He prepares a place for us, and He waits for us. He gave His life on the cross, shed His blood for us, and He waits for us. And He waits, and He waits for us to respond. The invitation's in the mail. And what's interesting about invites is they normally say RSVP by a certain date. I've never gotten a wedding invite that says RSVP whenever you feel like it. It doesn't. Did you know that you have a certain date in regards to the kingdom of heaven? I don't want to make this parable walk on all fours. That's dangerous to do as well, but we all have a certain date. Today is the day of salvation. I don't know what my tomorrow is. I honestly don't. And you don't either. If you were sitting someplace today and saying, I'll worry about God in a couple years. I don't want to be a downer, but we don't all have a couple years. We don't have the promise of tomorrow. We do have the promise of God. And so today becomes the day of salvation when we open up the invitation from God and we have it in front of us And it says RSVP now RSVP Now And that's how God's call comes to our life He's asking us do you want to be part of the kingdom? Do you want to be chosen? Do you want to enjoy the feast of God? Do you want to enjoy life more abundant than He has promised us? Or do you want to enjoy sin and let it keep pulling you down? Do you want to come to the wedding banquet? Now. Question that sits with each of us. Are you going to the wedding banquet? Are you going to the wedding banquet? Will you be part of the chosen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to your table. You're the God who provides for us and gives us so much, blesses us in so many different ways. And yet, Lord, that is only because You finally responded to your invitation of salvation and said, yes, I want to be part of the kingdom of heaven. I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to live my life for God. Help us to make the right decisions in our life. When we see the world slip away and chasing dreams that never come true, Trying to fulfill desires that can never be met. Trying to fill voids in their life. Help us to see you and understand that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except by you. You are the answer for our lives. You're the only answer. You are the one who fills the void in our life. You are the one who grants us holy desires. You are the one who lifts us out of sin and sets our feet on solid ground. You are the one who has chosen us. Help us to find ourselves committed to you. We thank you for that gift of salvation that touches all of our lives. Lord, I ask you bless us and keep us this week. That your face shines upon us. That your hedge of protection continues to be around us. That you do protect us in all of the endeavors that we set our hands and feet to. That you help us to walk the straight and narrow that you would desire for us. Lord, help us to find time during the week to just sit back and say, God, you love me. God, you love me so much. Thank you. And just sit back and relax in the beauty and love of God that rests upon us, your chosen. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your kingdom. Thank you for the new life that you have given to us. Yes this in Jesus name Amen